Hey everybody, welcome back to the DestralProds.com cooking podcast. Um, so yeah. <laughs> this is kind of the middle of the podcast. Due to various reasons, all of them being my fault, uh, we kind of lost the first hour. And our first hour. Yeah. <laughs> and um and because of that and the fact that we are recording this kind of as late as we can, it felt kind of shitty to have to go and start over. So instead, we're going to give a quick five-minute recap of what happened at the start of the podcast and then progress as normal. It's going to be fun. Uh, Dead Man missed all the best stuff already. Yeah, I did. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Look forward to the Lost Files <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> the secret Lost Files tape. So, yeah. If I could unlock my phone, I would set a timer. I can do it. But for some reason, the fucking fingerprint scanner that I have set up won't fucking recognize my goddamn finger. Oh, there we go. You got it? Yep. All right. So do you want five minutes each or five minutes total? Oh, no. Uh, we can do five minutes yeah. on each of them. Yeah. Alrighty then. So, I have a 15-minute timer. So, right. do you go birdie me? Sure. Alright. Alrighty. Here we go. So, my first In book... three, <laughs> two, one, go. <laughs> so, my first book I want to talk about uh, tonight keeping somewhat at the horror theme because Halloween is right around the corner for us is Harrow County. Now, uh, we've all read Harrow County on the show. Uh, Dead Man, are you up to date? Uh, Birdie, I know, isn't. Currently, he's a bit behind. Um, I don't think I've read the most recent issue. Okay. Uh, so I basically wanted to highlight this book because I think I feel like it has been some time since we talked about it because the quality is kind of kept at the same similar pace. And if I had my choice, uh, I would probably read this book in trade. Uh, although it was so great at the start when I first discovered it that I kind of got stuck in the cycle of reading it month to month, which it's been pretty consistent. Sometimes it takes a month off, but for the most part, it comes out on time. And uh, the big highlight for me for Harrow County, other than uh, how good of a book is it, it is, is it is based basically because it's written probably one of the best things Cullen Bunn for me has written um, that I've read and also Tyler Crook's artwork. His artwork is very beautiful looking, very um, eerie and kind of creepy painted like artwork. Um, a lot of kind of, uh, you know, nature and interesting colors that he uses. Uh, like his color palette is very interesting and muddled, very muddy looking, I would say at times. Uh, and basically in the storyline right now, currently uh, we have the return of Cammie, Emmy's evil sister, who's kind of been, Stirring shit up around Harrow County once again for basically resurrecting an army uh, of like undead things to basically come and take down Emmy uh, and kind of her rightful spot uh, in the in the because she kind of and she's like her evil twin sister and Cammy and 
he is the one that everyone kind of fears. Although when we first were introduced to Emmy, everyone thought that Emmy was the evil one uh, going back to like their, their past because uh, you know, she, Emmy has the, the power to communicate and control hates, which are basically like these creatures, I guess you would, I would say, I don't know. What would you describe them as a, uh, Dead man, the Haints. Like they're like he's got that skinless boy. Yeah, Haints are Haints are like uh, ghosts yeah. and weird other supernatural creatures right. and stuff. Like there, like there are yeah. like fucking goblins. There's these. There's this giant bull. Yes, the bull. Yeah, there are like actual straight up ghosts. Yeah, the skinless boy, which is probably my favorite. Like not skinless. Sorry, he's just basically skin. He's yeah, got, he, like, he's no. skin. Like, yeah, there, yeah. yeah he, there are there's essentially like, two separate parts of him. One part of him is his body. Which is just like this fucking exposed musculature that kind of runs around and acts as a protector, and then uh, mm. Emmy carries around his skin, which talks to her. Mm. And, and and within this issue, there's also a name. It's the black girl who has basically been given voodoo witch powers now because she one of her relatives recently died and has passed on this like voodoo witch powers. I don't, I don't think it was a relative. I think it was just another black person in town. Okay, I thought maybe like that. I was wrong for thinking that. I thought related to her. She found no, out. No, I, she no, was like yeah, she was yeah, like they, she lived in the swamp, right? Yeah, she, like, it, the, the, swamp. the two of them. The two of them thought she was like a witch or a ghost or something, right? And they were told never to go there. And then basically, they ended up meeting her, and she passed. She ended up passing away, but then she basically taught her friend uh how to basically like own these uh like voodoo witch powers i guess of some sort so now basically in this issue number 26 it's basically cammy like i said trying to round up things to come back and kill uh emmy and she's afraid for her father she goes to try to save her father in this he collapses we're not sure as of yet if he's dead or not uh it sure seems like it uh, but then basically at the end of the issue, after speaking to that bull creature, the black uh, girl, which is her Emmy's best friend, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. I'm yeah, trying to either. look for it, I can't find it. Uh, but she basically confronts Cammy. She's the first one to see Cammy once again face to face. She has not yet found Emmy, but she does come to face her. And she's like, you found me now. And she's got the the musculature version of that skin boy with her. And Cammy kind of just has this look on her face like, oh, you know, you, you, you went fucked up now. Like, you don't know, like, who you're messing with type of, <laughs> type of look. So, so yeah, it's been very good, very consistent, very creepy, eerie. Me and Bertie were talking about it earlier. We basically said, like, we prefer more horror books like this as opposed to the bloody gory type of horror, maybe tropes that most people are used to or, and or enjoy 10 minutes left. How much? 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Oh, okay. So that means five. So I'm good on that. Then Harrow County, check it out. If you have not yet checked it out, it's a very, very good book and a good book, a horror tale as well. Right. then, birdie. So, yeah. All right. Um, man, I tried to read the sequel series to the 30 days night. And I couldn't do it. <laughs> it is not for me. Okay. Story's fine, but the desat- the desaturated, sketchy art style of those books has never worked for me. Um, Nico and I were have it's the artist behind books like Electra Assassin. Uh, Bob- Bill, Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah. Sienkiewicz is how Nico says his name. I don't like his art style at all. It yeah. works for some people, but it is not my thing. So. Yeah, I read a couple sequels to Three Days a Night, and 
yeah, the art just fucking devolves. Like I'm a big I'm a big Ben Templesmith fan, and it is like, what if Ben Templesmith was bad? Yeah, because like it it seems it seems to excuse the fact it seems to use the style thing to excuse the fact that it's just shitty. Too it's it's too shaky. It's too amateur. It's too undefined. Yeah. So not my thing. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, first book, uh, va- uh, Hackslash vs. Vampirella. <laughs> Why the fuck is this happening? <laughs> because Vampirella has already beaten Alien. Stop the Army of Darkness. What else is there to do? I mean, here's the thing. So apparently Vampirella is an alien. Yeah. Yeah. Because fuck, I, fuck, I don't know. She's from she's from the planet Draculon. Get fucked. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, Cassie and Vlad are in Vegas for vacation. Uh, people are getting the hearts ripped out. Uh, Cassie ends up going to investigate because, of course, she fucking does. Where she meets Vampirella, who is in her year two, who is in her current 21st century look, which has pants. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, so she's not half naked like you. <laughs> nope. Because even in Vegas, that look would get you arrested, probably. Or say you have to get back to work. Yeah. Which, to so, be fair, she has done before. But Yeah, so uh, Vampirella is also there investigating because there is a different vampire-ish person out there eating people's hearts. Well, of course, not all of us can be alien vampires. Yeah, that's that's the fucking weirdest thing. Just the fact that there are goddamn motherfucking alien oh. vampires. Oh, just wait. Uh, <laughs> don't spoil it, Nico. All right. <laughs> I'm trying not to. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to keep reading this. Fuck this book. I imagine they probably made... I imagine they probably made this crossover to get Cassie back in the mindset since they just rebooted her series. Yeah, there... Well, I, don't know, I don't know if it's a reboot or like a just a sequel, sequel series. Is this not a one shot? Is this an nope, actual this, miniseries? This, yeah, this is a miniseries. It's a part miniseries. Oh shit! I thought it was like one of those one shots that they did her because you know how she had crossed over people before in the past, didn't she? Evil Ernie and all these fucking type of people. Yeah, I think so. Or, yeah, 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 there was one with Chucky. Yeah, I remember a hack slash Chucky issue. I think it was uh, Jason. Was it Jason? I, I think it was Jason. I don't know. So there's a bunch. Of, yeah. Anyway, Nico, book two. Are you done? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Don't <laughs> okay. read this. It's boring. Uh, uh, okay. Let's start the clock. All right. So Mr. Higgins comes home. Uh, this is an original graphic novel, which means uh, it wasn't published in issues. It was just basically just published as this one book. Like a couple of weeks ago, it came out. It's written, written by Mike Mignola, actually written by him, not co-plotted or co-written or anything like that, like he's known to do with a lot of his other books. But this is a um, small graphic novel. I'd probably say it's about 48 pages or something. The fact that they actually made this into a hardcover graphic novel for 15 bucks is kind of actually a ripoff in terms of how much content you get. (laughs) But uh, it was a fun little read. Um, Basically, I'm just going to quickly just read this intro that Mike Mignola makes, which kind of sums up the type of book it is. This one owns... uh, Sorry, this one owes everything to those great old Hammer vampire films. All those Draculas, Brides of Dracula, Twins of Evil, Captain Kronos, etc. And of course, and especially, Vampirella. 
Yeah, and a vampirella. And especially to my all-time favorite vampire film, Polanski's The Fearless Vampire Killer Killers. So basically, he doesn't draw this. This guy, Warwick Johnson Cadwell, drew it, whose style is... It's hard for me to describe. It's very cartoony, but like... It's kind of like a style that you would see like almost like in the... Uh, the New Yorker or something, if that kind of makes sense to you guys, like some yeah, sort of like, like a political cartoon. Yeah, like it's very caricature oh, looking, like. Empire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like very caricature looking, like character. It's very ironic how much this vampire looks like Trump. <laughs> no, come on, we all know vampires are Dems. <laughs> and. uh... <laughs> The reason that it's called Mr. Higgins Comes Home is that uh, basically at the start of the book, it opens up um, in a little village with uh, Professor J.T. Mindhart of Ingolstadt University (laughs) sleeping away. Uh, But it also turns out that he is a vampire hunter and he wakes up in his bedroom to see like this vampire uh, basically lurching over into like looking into some sort of textbook that he has kind of on his table. And then he hisses at him. Because he sees that he's awake, he fucking freaks out and flies out the window after he kind of throws up a huge cross towards him and, uh, you know, flies off into the night in that, you know, vampire thing where he can turn into a bat, which, you know, only people that are true fans of like old, you know, these vampire type things, I think. And there's also that thing about how they can turn into wolves. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Vampires can turn into uh, bats, wolves and mist. Right. And all of those things actually appear prominently at some point in this book. Uh, so it is definitely him having fun with the old Hammer vampire movies like he had mentioned and all the kind of old... Uh, it is some actual you know, facts, motherfucking vampires. Yeah. So, so yeah. So after that, he kind of rounds up his, uh, his uh, partner here. And they are going into town to investigate the fact that... Um, Basically, the guy who's the Dracula-type character in this story, I would say, or um, what's his name? The Baron. Uh, not not Dracula, but you know that other Baron that actually lived? Um, uh, I can't recall his name right now, but the guy that was an actual person that they based off Dracula. Dracul? Oh, Vlad Dracul. Yeah, exactly. Or Vlad so he, Pepish, depending he's on kind, his name you use. <laughs> he, he's kind of like that in this book, this character. And he's having a huge party... And that night that they know of, so they're basically planning to go there and kill him. And to do that, they need information on where his castle is actually located. So they actually find this gentleman called Mr. Higgins, who Mr. Higgins was abducted and actually spent time in his home. And he transformed him during that time into a werewolf himself after he got into some sort of, I guess, altercation with him and he lost his wife to him. And when they go to this party with Mr. Higgins, they kind of get dragged there. They kind of come across this guy in town. He forces them to come to the party as guests. And therefore they're now prisoners in his own home, full of vampires that are all coming for this fucking feast that they have every year. (laughs) And, and then Mr. Higgins, uh, through some sort of unfortunate event, turns into the werewolf and basically just starts taking out vampires left left and right um, during this party because they have taken control of his wife and made her one of the, their own. Like she's become like part of the this uh, cult, like this clan of part of the brood. It. There you go, brood <laughs> of vampires. 
so yeah, so like I said, it's like a very classic vampire story a tale. If you're looking for something like that because it's Halloween, I thought it was a fun little read. Uh, nothing too um, long. You can definitely read it in one sitting. And uh, yeah, if you're a fan of old vampire films or that kind of stuff, definitely check this out. I had uh, fun reading it. Mr. Higgins Comes Home by Mike Mignola and Dark Horse Comics. Alrighty, cool. Birdie. Yeah. All right. Um, this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to do I'm gonna do less of first. I read a good Elseworlds tale. Ooh. All right. So Batman, Gotham by Gaslight. Oh, yeah. I've been meaning to read that. Mm-hmm. I read this because, one, I had, I, I have read Mike Mignola's stuff before, but I've never talked about one of his books on the show. But also, this is the next series that's going to get the DC animated movie treatment. So I thought, you know what? Check it out. Maybe it's maybe it's really good. And, yeah, for the most part, it is. It, I mean, it changes artists a few times, and it's a weird translation of mixing, like – uh, turn of the century America with turn of the century London because the whole premise of this is that Jack the Ripper is the one who murders Bruce's parents before he becomes Jack the Ripper <laughs> and then when Bruce becomes Batman Jack the Ripper then tries to frame Bruce Wayne for the murders of Jack the Ripper so at which point Batman has the opportunity to kill the guy who killed his parents and chooses not to and has uh Gordon arrest him, but he's killed anyway because he tries to kill Gordon and Batman when he pulls a knife, so Gordon shoots him. Well, that's a bit of a walk. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if this is certain, but I get the impression Mignola might have structured the rest of this book, because that's not the end of the book. That's the first <laughs> half. <laughs> yeah. Does Jack the Ripper look like the Joker? No, there's actually there's a guy who is the Joker who Okay. Serial killer who's poisoning. But, um. <laughs> so, character wise, what's going on after that setup story? The idea is basically Bruce, Batman has basically disappeared for 18 because he basically tried to figure, he basically tried to figure out is there any reason for me to be Batman? I mean, I avenged my parents. What else am I supposed to do? And then he comes back when stupid shit starts happening, like a guy dressed like an 18th century baron gets a flying battleship and starts raining people down on Gotham. Wait, raining people? And, yeah, like he throws people out of... he, he The people he wants killed, he is flying airships, he bombards them with cannons. And I really want to sing the Weather Girls, but I'm afraid we might get claimed. Yeah, well, let's not do that. Anyway, there's this chick who... I don't know if she's supposed to be Catwoman or Vicky Vale or Batman love interest, but she's interested. She's dating Bruce Wayne and is interested. <laughs> the book doesn't really go into it as far as I've, I haven't quite finished the whole thing. I've read most of it, but I kind of got sidetracked at turn of the century. 20,000 leagues under the sea airship. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> Wait, what? So it's been a long time since I've read this, yeah, but yes. The Baron I mentioned has what looks like a flying version, a flying airship version of like the twenty thousand leagues under the sea submarine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not even like a Zeppelin or whatever it was called. No, it's not a Zeppelin. Yeah. It's like a yeah, full on no, flying yeah. battleship. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, so I've seen a couple different um, interpretations of what the Nautilus looks like. Yeah, uh, uh, is it the one with the giant it, squid on it? No, no, not not the not the one, not the league. More like uh, more like the uh, live action movie version. Oh, it's not. I know, I know. I, but the live it, action it's, movie well, one sucks. Not not for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but Twenty Thousand Leagues Under. The- okay. Like like mostly metal with like a pointed with like a glass viewing case, and of course because he's fighting an eighteenth century baron, it ends with this. It ends with a sword fight, <laughs> a swashbuckling sword fight in the air where Batman decapitates the the animatronic pilot. It'd be way cooler if they were fighting on a giant metal squid. I know, I know, I know. Not everything can be League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's a shame, but it's true. But yeah, this is a fun book. This is, and it's nice to read a good Elseworlds tale for one. I apparently can occasionally find one. Yeah, they do exist. I've heard about them. I I, I would say that's definitely in the department of like it's definitely one of the few good Elseworlds that I'm aware of. That one and like I mean, what else can you say? Superman Red Sun, I guess, was good. Yeah, like, um, I yeah. like Batman Elseworlds Finest. But okay, yeah. But that's a one-off, and it's a little weird in the '90s way. But it's not one of the ones. It's not Kingdom Come. It's not Red. Oh yeah, Kingdom Come. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. forgot, I forgot all about that. Yeah, that has got to probably be the best one. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, good book. All right then. Speaking of good books and Mike Mignola, <laughs> three Mike Mignolas in a row there. Yeah, <laughs> weird how that works out. Yeah. So yeah, Hellboy. Yes. I started reading Hellboy. I had never read it before. Ooh. Well, you've got over a decade to yeah. work with stuff, dead man. Well, given how much I sleep. <laughs> Too much, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm really sorry. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, so, um, Hellboy. I'll I re- forgive you. I, read I don't the fir- know about Bernie. Yeah, I read the first volume. <laughs> read the first volume of it. Uh, this is the stuff that the first movie was based on. Right. Got Rasputin, got Professor Broom dying. Got Elizabeth and Abe Sapien. It's good. It's just good. It's It's a book that it's a book that I can read and you're like, yes, it's a very good book. I recommend it to you. But if you ask me why, I don't think I'd be able to come up with a lot of reasons for why it's that good. Mm. Because it is it is very uninterestingly good. Mm-hmm. Well, it, okay, so the original Hellboy came... I love this book, but and I love these characters, but I think it... like. Basic Hellboy is not all that interesting anymore. It's all the tie-in books and where it's gone from here, where it gets super interesting. But like old old school Hellboy is kind of basic comics. Yeah, like I'm like reading that first issue, reading that first thing. Like, hey, yeah, Hellboy as a character is good. I like this. I like this supernatural. I like this. I like the idea of like this supernatural fucking demon being who fights other monsters, just being this kind of surly asshole. Yeah, so Ron Perlman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just just like Ron, <laughs> Ron Perlman was, in hindsight, Ron Perlman was kind of perfect. 
But like, like, like when I like when I initially watched those movies, I was like, oh, yeah, he's good. This is a this is a good character for Ron Perlman. And then I and then like actually reading this book, it is like, oh wait, no, this was just perfect. Yeah, I mean, at least from my experience, if I can just add, add, say uh, what I feel about it, I feel that the main draw for me through most of the Hellboy books is the other than Mike McNola's art is just the art overall. They always work with great artists. I find in their books. Oh yeah. Totally. As well, as well as like Bertie just said, the BPRD series, which ties into about maybe halfway through the whole Hellboy uh, series of books. Uh, those are my favorite. Yeah, BPRD I'm, is the best. So yeah, I'm planning, a- I'm planning on getting in like, like, like right now I'm just reading, you know, vanilla ass Hellboy, but then I'm planning For to get sure. into like fucking B- BRPD, BPRD or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, Lobster Johnson. Yeah. 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 There's the thing I'd say also, I don't know if you have already found this, but if you want to, uh, there is actual reading lists online. Yeah. yeah will, I found a reading list. Yeah. It'll tell you what books to read because 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 of the the order that each book takes place, it the Mignolaverse is very yeah. vast. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like I agree with, I get what you're saying. For, the early Hellboy is kind of like, oh, weird occurrence, monster shows up. He's like, oh crap, he punches him. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's basically yeah. That's it is very simple. In yeah, that very sense the, very yeah. noir esque writing in that it is very descriptive of what Hellboy is feeling and thinking. Right. Just, just like, like almost like, almost like a constant running inner monologue about just about this weird fucked up shit happening to him. Mm. And yeah, it works. Like it all works. Like Abe is cool. Elizabeth is cool. Art is good. I just kind of can't. I can't verbalize anything more interesting beyond just yes. These things that these things that are in this book are good. So it is good for that first volume. Yeah. Okay, so it's good, but it's not the kind of good that draws you in personally. No, like, that's the thing. I'm drawn in. It's the, it's the kind of good that I can't sell well. Yeah. There, there's yeah. no, there is no one thing, and that's time. Be like, there is no one, there is no one thing that stands out above everything else. Where I'm like, oh fuck, this is so goddamn good. You have to see this. Right. It is. But you're going to continue. Oh yeah, totally. Like, it is, yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's still good. It is just it is the kind of it is the kind of boring good where everything is at a level of quality that the book can't be bad, but it's not. But no, nothing stands out so much that you could consider it a selling point. Mm. It's a decent all rounder book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right so, then. And that's the recap. I will sum up the one other book I wanted to talk about. As well, you you miss out on what I got to tell Nick, but. I read a Vampirella book. <laughs> yes. Vampirella Master Series. And I'm going to tell you the two words that made me read this. Grant Morrison. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah, so that's it's, surprising. So, so the entire... But not uh, at all. The entire Masters Vampirella Master series, which is what this is called, is drawn mostly by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. But oh, but right? the the, <laughs> the okay. So here, uh, well, aside from Mark Millar, here are the writers for volumes of this: Grant Morrison, Warren Ellison, Warren Ellis, Alan Moore. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Actually, speaking of Christ. <laughs> 
the villain of this series, Dead Man, is a burned man with who looks like if you cross the Invisible Man with Spider Jerusalem, named Von Christ. Okay, so next time we'll be, we'll be doing a deep dive into Vampirella Master Series. Right? I want to read this now. <laughs> And, so, I'm, yeah, and I'm and kind I, of uh, only half joking about that. Uh, let's see what else did I mentioned. Uh, oh, this is the only other thing that was um, ninja nuns dressed like young blood '90s characters. <laughs> that sounds like an alternate universe version of that one Hitman trailer. <laughs> yeah, but dressed like young blood characters. Yeah, instead yes. of dominatrix nuns. Yeah. So yeah, um, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It is currently five bucks on Comixology and will be through. Okay. And it's like a whole trade of like 170 plus pages. All right, then. So you guys, you tell us a recommendation there. (laughs) (laughs) I love how we all had the exact same. Wait, Grant Morrison? What the fuck kind of... What did you expect to happen? No, but, Dead Man, it's it's funny because when you mentioned it, the only thing I ever knew that was good about... I'm like, yeah, didn't Amanda Connor draw some of it? And I was like, that's interesting. And then he's like, yeah, 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 she draws some of this. And I was like, oh, okay. Then we started, and he's like, oh, guess who wrote this? Grant Morrison. (laughs) I was like, what? I was like, I'm like, I thought the draw was Amanda Connor. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Oh, and fun thing. Um, if you're if you're an American Comicsology user, um, the first, yeah, three volumes of the fucking uh, Master Series, which is Grant Morrison, Warren Ellis, and Mark Millar, they're all available for free on Comicsology Unlimited. Oh, okay, Unlimited though, yeah. Oh, yeah, so like I said, if you are an American Comicsology user, because fuck us. Yeah, we don't get that service. But we have Comicsology. Yeah, we have Comicsology regular, so we could fucking buy the books, but we can't fucking just do the Netflix for comics thing. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Comicsology. It's not like it's not like Canada is one of the biggest fucking countries in the world. <laughs> you fucking assholes. They always, yeah, they always fuck us with things like that, though. Be sure to sign up for a free <laughs> 30-day trial of Verve unless you're in Canada. At least you guys get Anime Strike for free. <sighs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah. So anyway. Yes, uh, Grant Morrison doing Vampirella. Surprisingly good combination. <laughs> but is it surprising, though? It, well, because you don't expect it. <laughs> yeah, like, you don't, I, don't, I didn't expect it, but then, the, but then the second I thought about it, I was like, oh, wait, yeah, we, I should. why didn't this happen sooner? Because think about it, alien vampires. Yeah, that's oh, a great Morrison ass concept. And but and aside from the uh, Vampirella, the alien vampire is fighting vampires from hell. Of course, of fucking course. <laughs> so anyway, that was for ketchup. <sighs> on to the on to the last bit of the show. So, Dead Man, since you're fading fast, why don't you go first? Okay, then. Uh, so, Eugenic. Yes! Uh, this is the third series in the 
the James Tinian the Fourth uh, weird ass sci fi concept series. Yeah, and Mimetic. Does he do anything else? Uh, yeah, he did Mimetic. Yeah. And uh, Cognetic. Yeah, and Cognetic. Um, the first series was about a happy sloth meme that turned everybody into horrible Lovecraftian nightmares that made giant mm-hmm. towers to summon down the angels from fucking Evangelion. So good. Really good. Uh, yeah. Cognetic. Uh, not as good, but still pretty decent. It's about hive minds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out that some time ago... Uh, back when people were still like cavemen or whatever, uh, a meteor dropped that turned six cave people into into um, six super intelligent hive minds. And then one of them was like, oh, let's take over the world. And one of them was like, yeah, let's stop that. Yeah, so in that one, it's if you had heard this noise, you would turn into one of the part of the hive mind. Like in the, first, in the memetic, it was if you seen the meme. Well, 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 yeah. So in the first one, uh, the the thing initially start, spread with the meme, like the way that the, the way that the image was layered, the way that, like the uh, the visual image was layered. If you saw it, it would then like input this code in your head that after twenty four hours you would start screaming, right? And, and, and attacking all- and attacking everybody <laughs> who hadn't seen the meme. Yeah. Uh, then after a certain number of people. Uh, saw the meme, their screams would start resonating, and then it would have a then the and then the sound of them screaming would have the same effect as seeing the meme. That's what it was. Yeah, it, it actually evolved. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, and then the, and then the giant man towers. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was so, disturbing. <laughs> yeah, so then cognetic was about these two separate hive minds trying to fight each other. One of them. Being the That's entire, right. you know, one of them being the entirety of New York City, the other one being a mom. Yeah, you're right. I didn't like. I liked it still, but it, it wasn't, wasn't as, as good. good as the first one. No, definitely not. Yeah, eugenic has a much stronger concept than cognetic. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in this world, uh, there was a there was a virus that was going around. It had killed a huge swath of the population, like I think a couple billion people. But then a scientist he discovered the cure. He managed to develop a cure and spread it out throughout the population. Uh, one of the side effects of the virus was that it had caused uh, infertility. So then this so then this um, cure also helped with that. But as pe- but as new babies were starting to be born, uh, they were being born a bit different. Uh, their eyes were on the side of their mouths. Their mouths were the mouths took up the majority of their head. Their skin was completely red, and yeah, just super fucked up looking. And so, then scientist, as he was giving like this press conference about it, uh, he revealed that this was all completely intentional. He specifically tailored the cure for the virus to rewrite people's fucking like sexual reproduction cells in order to make a new breed of human people. Because that's what he saw as the future. Um, Some, he had received some message from some people that said that like, Hey, the future going forward is this. He thought it's like, because like the way he did it, uh, the, the effects that he had on the, like the effects that the uh, change had on them, like it made them like immune to disease. It got rid of race. It did all, it did all kinds of shit in order to make life ostensibly better. It's just, they look kind of fucked. Yeah. 
And so at this press conference, uh, he gasses everybody, killing them all, including himself, in very horrific ways. Yeah. And going forward, the issue in the series is going to be about what the next generation of humanity looks like. Yeah, because this is basically him in his warped mind perfecting like the human race moving forward. Yeah. But but, but basically he's making these like mutants <laughs> that he that that he feels will are far superior to human beings and 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 yeah, it's it's fucked. I read this issue and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, by the end of this, because I did not see that coming. Yeah, and yeah, and what, <laughs> yeah, and what what I really appreciated about it was the fact that it does jump ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because like after after everybody dies in that fucking press conference, the issue ends with just this big like fucking black pa- black page with just text on it that just says the fucking like like twenty whatever the year is, end of the human race, then fucking whatever the next year will be. The ne- the new beginning or whatever it is just this it is just humanity as we know it stops at that point and the new shit takes over which is what he wanted and now going forward it's going to be presumably a series about the new shit which is really cool I assume that it would be a series about like like the majority of the series would take place in ostensibly present day where it was going to be about this geneticist, like where, where like he, where he had made this fucking cure and then, and like the weird people started being born were an accident. And then, and then he was in the series, like studying them and it would reveal that like he was actually given the cure from fucking divine providence from Cthulhu. Right. <laughs> And and, 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 as, and as it would happen, the people the people that are being born like that would slowly begin to take over. As he's as he's like, oh god, I've brought the end of humanity upon us. What do we do? And then like the fucking last issue will be some fucking like I am legend type twist where it turns out humanity is just fucking fine. They just evolved. Well, if I if I remember correctly, I don't think it has ended well for either of the two, first two books prior to this one. Oh no, but both two, both two things were fucking like right. Both right. those two things were Shub Niggurath descending from the heavens to, to devour right. humanity. Right. And and actually it's worth noting I were standalone. I don't believe there's a connection between books. No, no, they've all like, they've these all are been all individual. Yeah, they're they're all current. individual things yeah. involving this idea of these like weird otherworldly powers affecting humanity's f- future. Or viruses or whatever it's it's it looks yeah. That's yeah, yeah, no, it's it's been excellent, and I don't think this is a I, I I don't think this is a book that gets talked about very much out there. And it's it, like you know if they were to come out with like one hardcover or something that collects all three of these, yeah, I'll the de- X I series, would, yeah, yeah, I would definitely grab this um, if they collect it like that. Absolutely, um, I I yeah. doubt they will though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this sells. Like, I've never heard anybody else talk about it except for us on this show. Like, I I listen to other podcasts. Like, I. I, you know, I peruse news, uh, comic news time to time. I've never seen anybody really talk about this book. Like, yeah, like, like I don't even think, least, I don't even think like fucking CBR was doing their single issue reviews of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, now, it, which is weird because now, the, because of how many things he does over DC, James Tinian is a much bigger name than when he first started the first series with the Memetic. 
and you know thanks to scott snyder and everything like bring him in so yeah i'm actually gonna try to see if i can find any fucking like sales numbers for these books yeah it's gonna be hard like like a lot like a lot of sites don't report on fucking boom studios sales numbers right yeah is there anything else you wanted to add in the meantime? Do you want me to go ahead and... Uh, uh, no, Eugenic is just a fucking really interesting sci-fi book yeah. that, you should, that you all should definitely check out, including the other fucking uh, two books. Like, Mimetic more so than Cognetic, but Cognetic's still a decent read. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It was definitely the weaker of the two, but I still enjoyed it for the most part. But yeah, Mimetic was so much... Uh, this is much better than the cognetic. And then, but the way this first issue opened up for this, this could be the best one for all I know. Yeah. Like, right. So yeah, this, this was a doozy, this fucking first issue. <laughs> so, uh, uh, do you, do you find the numbers? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll continue. Go ahead. I am going to keep looking them up. So kind of a scary thing. <laughs> Talking about the Punisher. Back in Nam. Oh, God, a man with a gun and the horrors of war. Ooh. That's right. Nam was very scary. Let's not, uh, <laughs> let's not deny that. Punisher the Platoon is what I'm talking about now. I want to quickly mention this. Um, not much to speak of, of exactly of what happened in the first issue, but I did want to say that I'm a big fan of the Garth Ennis uh, Punisher Max series. This is a return for Garth Ennis to the Punisher Max Frank Castle character, and this is Frank Castle prior to him becoming the Punisher back in Nam. This version of him, which was like what Garth Ennis had set up in the Max series prior to now. Actually, I think in one of them, he actually even fought on the Iraq War, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong about that, but I think in one of his last Max version, that was the case. But anyways, this is him in Nam, and um, and basically this issue, it starts out with all of the rest of his surviving members of his platoon meeting around at a bar, uh, talking to somebody who knows quite a lot of the, the uh, story of how they kind of came together, and they're not really sure as to how he knows and why he's interviewing them at this point. Uh, but we don't actually get to see who they're talking to yet. So as a, as the viewer reading it, you're basically looking from that person's eyes, looking at these group of people sitting down in the bar, talking to them, telling them their, their stories. Uh, they keep referring to him, but they don't call him by name. You don't really know who they're talking to yet. But he does know an awful lot about how they came together. And they're basically trading stories about how Frank Castle was before he became the Punisher back in the non days. Uh-huh. And uh, Goran Parlov is the artist on this, who's worked with him on a lot of the Punisher uh, Max stuff. And he actually wrote uh, Drew Starlight by Mark Miller, if you remember that book. His take on, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, that uh, space character. Uh, Flash Gordon. Starlight was basically his version of Flash Gordon. Mark Miller did an uh, image, which I quite enjoyed. And Goran Parlov, I like his art quite a bit. And yeah, Punisher the Platoon. It is a, a, a six-issue miniseries. The second issue just came out this week. I was just kind of describing the first issue for you there. Not a lot uh, yet, but Garth Ennis basically always writes a good Frank Castle, in my opinion, and he also knows how to write the horrors of war and what that brings. And Nam is definitely one of those wars, and, uh, and uh, definitely uh, they just came out with a documentary recently, I know, on kind of chronicled Vietnam and 
Uh, and he's very true to uh, to the material from War. Like Garth Ennis is a big War buff. We've talked about it before. He's kind of incorporated into almost everything he's done in comics. So, so yeah, definitely check it out. Punisher the Platoon, very good. All right then. Uh, so I did find uh, some numbers. So the first issue, um, which of Mimetic, which went on sale in October 2014, uh, that book sold an estimated 7,000 units. That's hmm. still more than I thought. 7,000? Yeah, but still that's low in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, like a 5,000 seller book usually gets canceled if you're at the big two. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But that was Mimetic, or is that this one, Eugenic? That was Mimetic. I, I okay. don't believe the numbers for Eugenic have been released yet. Okay. I, I, yeah, even with James Tinian's boost and maybe people that read his work, I wouldn't say more than 10 at, at most. You know what I mean? Like probably yeah. it's a, it's a five to seven, 8,000 book seller, I would say. But yeah. the, the nice thing about them though, too, is that they're oversized. I don't know if you mentioned that there's, they're always like three issue miniseries and they're all, they're all about five or $6 an issue, but they're usually oversized issues. Yeah. Like, um, so they're nice and short. I mean, not short in that sense, but you're not going to fucking buy 10 issues of the series. You're going to buy three issues. You're going to get a complete large story. Yeah. And, uh, and the first yeah. issue of Cognetic, uh, that sold October 2015. Uh, and that went on sale and that sold for approximately 5,500 units. Yeah. See, that's even less than the first. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And those numbers are from Comicron.com. Yeah, on the comic sales, comiccon.com. Just yeah, there you go. It's a book that needs support, people. Yeah, these <laughs> these are good books. Oh yeah, yeah. Bidman needs his sci-fi crazy. I really do. He gets too much of the normal. Yeah. Speaking of sci-fi crazy, um, <laughs> I wasn't sure what note to end this on. I figured I'd end. I finally finished Power Rangers JLA. <laughs> yeah, we did. That's a good fucking book. Is it? Yeah. This book is insane. <laughs> it is fucking crazy, but it is good as hell. Nice. Because the basic premise is that, um, so I, I, the premise is, yeah, Brainiac and Zed have caused a crossing of dimensions. And at the end of this book, Zed and Brainiac have teamed up to take the entirety of Angel Grove into a jar. Zed then intends to destroy. But through crazy bullshit, um, Alpha becomes giant-sized. Yeah, yeah. They turn... And fights Brainiac. They grow Alpha, and Alpha just gets into a fucking fist fight. And eventually, uh, Billy proves he's smarter than Brainiac by up... Once it loads with Cyborg, kills his entire system. <laughs> at which point... Zed thinks, you know what? I'm going to smash this. I'm just going to smash the entire city of Angel Grove used by growing giant sides and smashing the jar. But nope, without control of the Zords anymore, go, go, Megazord. At which point, I kind of like the idea that I, I, I imagine it must have been Jason. I don't know who was saying it because it was from the Megazord. But um, Jason was like, you know, it's probably a lot harder to move when you're suddenly thousands of times bigger. <laughs> so. Maybe if you'd had time to adjust to being that big, we would. But no, we're going to kick your ass. 
Uh, and then, goddamn love this book. And then Kim, when he's trying to flee, I'm pretty sure shoots him with one of Green Arrow's punch, uh, boxing glove arrows. Yeah. arrows. When you want to punch somebody who's really far away. That's awesome. This book is so fucking cool. Yeah. And, you know, it ends on a fun note where, uh, it ends on all kinds of fun notes, like when Flash saying, you know, Bruce Wayne is very good at pretending to be a human being thing in the suit. <laughs> and, of course, it, it, to end on a uh, stinger note, after everything is fixed, they've fixed Angel Grove, Justice League, and the Power Rangers have hanging out for a while, it ends with Brainiac having control of Alpha. Yeah. So, Justice League Power Rangers Season 2. Yeah, what? and that would that would be a hell of a stinger to end on if I had not just read the most recent issue of Kyle Higgins' Marty for Power Rangers. Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing that I don't think makes sense. I have to look at it again in detail before we just. I don't want to discuss that on because I have to understand it a little better first. I think I fully understand it. It's just I don't think it makes sense. Right, we'll see. I'm gonna. I, I I'm willing to give Kyle Higgins a lot of faith. I'm gonna see where this goes. Anyway, yeah, we'll get, so we'll get into that next week. Yeah, but assuming everyone comes. I I'll probably <laughs> <laughs> look. Here's, here's the thing. Over the last couple over the last week, my sleep schedule has been super fucked. I have, not, I have not been able to get a good night's sleep, or any time I have gotten a good night's sleep, it's a good night's sleep that I started to get at 4 p.m. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think that's it for, well, actually, Nico, do you have one more comic, or was that it? Uh, no, that was it. My other one was eugenic, and uh, I was happy to talk about that with Dead Man, so that's cool. Yeah. If we want, we can just go a bit more, like, <laughs> dastardly and muttly's fucking weird as hell. Yeah, I'm going to read that in trade. That's another. Um, it is the weirdest <laughs> apocalypse I've ever seen. All right. Yeah. Talk about that for a few minutes if you want. Sure. All right. So Dastardly and Muttley, uh, it is the latest in the Hanna-Barbera books from DC Comics. And it is telling the, the or- and it is telling the origin story of Dick Dastardly and his dog. You know, from Wacky yeah, from Races. Wacky Races. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's being written by Garth Ennis. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's essentially the world is kind of dying because a fucking because like an unmanned aircraft is flying around spraying this fucking mist all across the world that causes the world to turn into a cartoon. Yeah, like God, fuck. Cool world. Yeah, like fucking Muttley is Dick Dastardly's fucking former flying partner, his co-pilot. But then he got. But then um, as they were up in the air, they were like he had his dog with him, and so when they got fucking hit by the goddamn uh, drone, he and the dog fused. <laughs> so the fucking man shot the man-sized dog who goes. <laughs> right, that's right. a person. Oh, so they actually explain that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, 
I think it's safe to say at this point that Garth Ennis has the same kind of do whatever the fuck you want rights over at DC because he's a well-respected creator like Grant Morrison does. Because this, the fucking six-pack series that I used to talk about on the show that came out, two of them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who are these four? Like, (laughs) they're for me. No, that's what I mean. I'm not complaining because I'm checking. They're fucking weirdos. Yeah, I opted in to read this one and trade for once, but. But those six pack series, I love those. But I'm like, no one can be reading these. I'm reading this. I'm like, I'm like, like really? Like, I don't know who these are for. But yeah, some motherfucker. Yeah, some motherfucker is just somebody. Somebody at DC is either going to get a huge promotion or lose their job <laughs> over this shit. No, I, that's great. I mean, at least they're letting him do what he wants, and that's the way you get you keep for you, right? Like, yeah. you're not gonna. He's not gonna fucking go and write. Something he doesn't want to do. He doesn't write superhero comics, so yeah, and you know, uh, and yeah. like and like yeah, the world is going fucking crazy. Like in the in the second issue, we see the creation of Jabberjaw. Which one's that again? Uh, he's the giant it. cartoon shark. Mm, yeah, like in the second issue, it's just we just see like a regular ass shark and the fucking war pig one. The name of the fucking drone flies over it, dusts it, and then he turns into a giant purple shark who could walk on land. <laughs> Oh yeah, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, and like the fucking president of the United States, he or or like a fucking major general in the in the Pentagon, he is able to stick his hand through a phone and punch somebody on the other end of it. During a speech, the president pulls out a giant mallet and beats this fucking chief of staff to death. Look at this fucked up picture I put in the chat of Jabberjaw. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, no, yeah, it's fine. Whatever, dude. Yeah, Jabberjaw. Do not fuck with Jabberjaw. <laughs> what an horrible cartoon I found. Sorry. Anyways. Yeah. This sounds awesome. I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is supposed to be an origin story for the Wacky Racers reboot. Sure. Where just a bunch of cartoon characters in Mad Max, and this is how that came to be. I don't know. I don't know what this is. <laughs> or who it's for. <laughs> but I kind of love it. Sounds fun. It is a bizarre, really good book. And yeah, uh, the artist in it is a guy named Morissette. I've never heard of him before. Okay. I think he... Was that Morissette or Morissette? Didn't he do that all-star western book? I don't know. I th- or Hellblazer or something. I think he did something like that. I do not Anyways. know. Uh, he apparently worked on Harley Quinn and her gang of Harleys. For whatever that's worth. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry, I'm thinking of Moritat, which is another fucking common artist, <laughs> weirdly enough. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Dastardly and Muttley, it is a bizarre book that you should definitely read. Yeah, I'm excited for it now. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Also, while we're still on Hannah Barbera, uh, I uh, newly released a couple weeks ago um, Flintstones, Volume 2. I know I raved about the first volume. This is the end of the series. It only ran 12 issues. The second volume completes it. Excellent. Excellent, excellent stuff. Way better than any fucking Hannah Barbera book has any right to be over at DC. <laughs> so good. So That's fucking what a surprising good. number of the Hannah Barbera books actually are. Yeah, no, like it was fucking it was, dastardly it was and mutley future quests with the fucking yeah. Flintstones. Yeah, 
At least that's the fun kind of insane, because uh, the only other thing you missed to me. Uh, you cut out there. Uh, at least that's the fun kind of insane, because the only other thing you missed from the first hour, Nico was trying to explain Dark Knight's metal to me. Yes. Jesus, Jesus. This number fucking, three. God, fuck this book. We briefly did talk about number three, and uh, my hate-love relationship for the line. My 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 one complaint though, Dead Man, and I don't know if you, I know you read Dark Knight's Metal Three. I've seen it on your list, but do you not feel that they've basically fucked up once again by making the reader have to read the tie-ins to make sense of these things, even though it still doesn't make a lot of sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, uh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, fuck, fuck, yep, fuck, yep, fuck. <laughs> I think Dead Man's reaction is it doesn't make a whole. All, I think is what that says. But yeah, like on top of this, I've also been, I've also been reading the goddamn um, fucking like Batman single issue origin story tie-ins. Oh, see, I haven't. I've only read a couple though. Oh, I heard the, the Flash. The, what's the new one? The Batman is Aquaman. Uh, drowned, yes. drowned. Yeah, so we have Batman the Dawnbreaker, which is Green Lantern. Batman the Drowned, which is Aqua Woman. Oh, okay. Uh, Batman the Murder Machine. Cyborg. Uh, right. Batman the Red Death. That's the one I read. I read That's that the one. Flash one. Yeah, yeah, I read that one. And um, fuck, there's other ones. Uh, Batman the Merciless. Is that is that Batman Wonder Woman? Uh, I I don't know. It looks like Batman Doomsday. I think that one just came out this week. There is a Batman Doomsday, yeah. Yeah, I think that's Batman the Merciless. I, I, I'm not sure Bruce can rock the, the, the onesie the way Wonder Woman can. You'd be surprised. <laughs> where do you think? Where do you think uh, Dick Grayson learned to make that ass? Uh, <laughs> to be fair, I just watched an episode of Justice League Action, which had Superman exposed to pink kryptonite, which gender swapped him, and he's like, "Yeah, I can work with this." <laughs> uh, comics are great. They're terrible, but they're great. Take themselves too seriously. Yeah, that's that was basically the, the sum of our conversation with Dark Knight's Metal, though. It, it, it is a mess, but I actually am still having a lot of ridiculous fun. Well, because I, the, <laughs> my main question about Dark Knight's Metal at the end of it, that Tamika was, what is Dark Knight's Metal? And he couldn't really answer the question. <laughs> Dark Knight's Metal is fucking Scott Snyder let loose. Yeah, pretty much. Just, just, nobody, just nobody will tell him no, so he makes just the most retarded shit. Like 19 different evil Batman. Yeah, like the fucking Batman, the fucking drowned Batman. For one, yeah, for, for one is a woman. Yeah, it's just, it's just straight up. Just, just what if Bruce Wayne was a woman? Because her name is Bryce. And she just and like and like she was like yeah so I murdered all of the metas on the planet and then fucking and then the Atlanteans showed up so I tried to murder them it went about as well as you would expect um, but then I took a bunch of their fucking genetics and put that inside of me now I can breathe underwater and control the dead water you know that villain who was in Aquaman for a bit yeah oh yeah, yeah I can make those and make like, water zombies and then I drowned Amnesty Bay. Are you talking about the deep? Nope, not the deep. No, the a, dead there water. Is a villain, there is a villain who is 
composed of water. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'm thinking of that those creatures, the deep. Yeah, okay. you're thinking of the dudes with the Marianas Trench. The Jeff John was one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is some. This is a Dan Abnett thing, I think. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not up to date on the. Uh, which I heard is great. Now that Stefan Sedgwick is. That's, that's Absolutely, awesome. dude. That book is great. Yeah. Well, to be I fair, the writing wasn't bad before. It's sure. just the art. It's, it's is... just, yeah like, yeah, like, yeah, like before it was kind of, you know, not good, not bad, just kind of middle-of-the-road comic art, and now it is motherfucking. Right. Well, that's that's what I heard. I heard once he came on the book, it was like a complete other book. Not that it was bad before, but it just, it just you know, made it much better, right? Yeah, so that's, yeah, Dan, Dan Abnett's good. I like Dan Abnett. Yeah, so, no, the writing has always been good. It, the, yeah. the problem with this book was never the writing. <laughs> yeah, it was just the art. Yeah, which is, which again, it wasn't really a problem. It was just so middle Nothing of the special. road. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. Right. It was just there. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, motherfucker, Stephen Sage, he's just like, look at my shit, motherfucker. <laughs> you will bow down before me. <laughs> yeah. And then the fucking murder machine is. The murder machine is kind of the dumbest and kind of the best because he has an army of cybernetic Alfreds. Like when he like when he made his um, like when he made himself into cyborg, he like Alfred had died. So he actually made an AI program based on Alfred. Yeah, that makes sense. That was then able to like make himself like material material constructs. And so anybody he perceived as a threat to Bruce Wayne, just all of a sudden a bunch of metal Alfreds would show up. It's like, may I help you, sir? And just start murdering people. You will please be dead now. <laughs> and it was kind of great. But the idea of Cyborg Batman is still retarded. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, everything I've heard about this just sounds like insane, but not like Grant Morrison insane. More like bad 90s writing Thing. Oh yeah, like like there's a point where fucking the fl- like in the in that Red Death thing, the Flash is tied to the hood of the Batmobile like a deer, and and the reason that is happening is because Batman needs the Flash tied to the front of his car because he put the cosmic treadmill inside his car, so he goes fast enough. Having the Flash as the fucking spearhead that makes the speed force happen. Because you know science. Ugh. Comics are weird. <laughs> and speaking of weird, uh, in news, yeah, <laughs> we only have one real piece of news this week, uh, but it's a doozy. All right. So the latest Hanna Barbera um, announcement to be made about the next book. Uh, is Snagglepuss. Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. I heard of this. So it is uh, being redone, um, written by Mark Russell, uh, coming wrote, in... coming wrote the next, Flintstones. Yep, coming next January. Uh, it is called Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles. And I'm just going to read this. Yeah. I yeah. Exit stage left. Reimagine Snagglepuss as a closeted gay playwright from the South who just happens to be the hottest thing on Broadway. But will he be able to stay in that role and speak out against the many social injustices happening all around him? Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm in. Oh. <laughs> 
I'm not oh, a fan of social no. injustices, but I'm in. <laughs> yeah, the cover, uh, which I believe is, I'm not, I'm not sure who drew the cover, but it has um, Snagglepuss dressed up in fully clo- fully clothed this time. Uh, wearing a green blazer, draped in the American flag, holding that weird stick with a cigarette on it that Car- that uh, Corella Deville smoked. Yeah, uh, the long stick cigarettes. Yeah, it's a thing in the sixties. Yeah, and raising up a martini, like the torch of the fucking Columbia Pictures logo, while lovingly draped in the American flag. I don't know about you guys, but Snagglepuss reimagined as a gay Southern playwright. I'm I'm there. <laughs> I'm not saying it won't be interesting. I'm just worried how that'll be portrayed. Well, it's I mean, by the Flintstone guy. Yeah, so that's probably what's... all right. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm there is because I trust him after reading Prez and after reading uh, Flintstones. His social satire is top notch, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, like actually, I, if it's I'm the there. guy who made Prez, it might get canceled. Oh wow! Uh, well, it was a miniseries, so it only run like six issues. Okay. Yeah, but actually, I want to read this quote. This is this is this is also from that same fucking article. So, so he was asked the question, given your work on the, on the Flintstones and Prez, it only feels natural for you to handle the reboot of Snagglepuss that is a social satire of mid-20th century uh, Amer- New York and today's society. But how did you end up working on Snagglepuss? To which he responded, it's going to happen by accident. <laughs> I don't know how that happens by accident. Quote, okay. <laughs> I was just tweeting funny lines I thought Snagglepuss would say if he were Tennessee Williams. Some kind of southern gothic playwright. Oh my god, that's what I was actually thinking. I'm from New Orleans, but fuck. And Mary, and Mary Javins, my editor, thought they were funny. And she talked to Dan DiDio about turning, that, about turning that into a comic. That's how it started. It was really just funny tweets and it just ballooned from there. Whatever, man. I, I've heard of dumber reasons to make a series. Yeah. And I mean, if they're going to do this, might as well be Snagglepuss. I guess of the Hanna-Barbera characters, it's who it would make the most sense to do it with. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I mean you don't even need to for, change his voice at all. He just, just like right. that, that voice ingrained <laughs> in people's heads. Just like, exit stage right even. Like, that fucking voice is yeah. kind of perfect. It's, it's, an enti- it's an entire, heavens to Murkatroyd. <laughs> Yeah, fuck, no, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was always a he was always a bit flamboyant. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't be a giant pink lion, right? And not be a bit over the top. Um. Yeah. No. I, I, you know, I'll say it again. I'm on board just because, like I said, I like his work so far. And uh, you know, you just finished talking about fucking Dastardly and Mutley, like. Like, you know, like, look how fucking weird that book is. Yeah, like, totally. I, I like, I like that they're they're pushing the boundaries with these books a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, they're, they're not just I, like they're not just making Hanna Barbera, right? But I mean, if you want a, a great adaptation of a classic Hanna Barbera, look no further than Future Quest. You know what I mean? Yeah, like future, things like yeah, Future right, Quest like, is kind of like what you need, and then from right. there they're able to just kind of do whatever the fuck they want. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and there's a Jetsons book coming out too that Jimmy Palmiotti is doing, I believe. Yeah, so, where fucking yeah. Rosie the maid is actually George's mom. 
Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that one, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> no, the weirdest part of all of that was specifically how he, how she said, "I'm not your mother anymore. Call me Rosie." Right. <laughs> Just like that's kind of the bit where it got a bit over the edge. Like, if it was still like, hey, mom, would you mind helping me out around the house? And she's like, yeah, sure, fuck it, I'm a robot. But no, the fact that she specifically says, you will no longer refer to me as your mother. Wait, is it out? Have you read it? I have not. Oh, okay. No, there, I, there, was a, there was like a backup oh. story that explained that origin. Oh, okay. I was like, how do you know this? <laughs> yeah, was the, like, there, was, there was a backup Jetson story in one of these fucking issues. Oh, okay, okay. That explained the origin story of Rosie the Robot Maid. Cool. So yeah, internal art by Mike Fian. I don't recognize the name, but he's probably done stuff. Yeah. (sighs) Jesus Christ. You okay over there? (laughs) Just, I... Well, we did it. We made over an hour of content. I mean, this is the best we can hope for here, eh? Like, this is not bad, considering. <laughs> if that's what you're groaning about, I don't know. No, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm still trying to process Snagglepuss. Oh. Thank y'all for joining us. Sorry this is a short one this week. Yeah, it's all on me. We all were here, though. We'll be back <laughs> first, first in two time weeks' time line. with a full episode of the DestroProds.com comic book podcast. In between now and then, though, things are happening. Halloween's coming up. We might be doing something for that. I'm coming halfway through the next show. <laughs> That will be fine. That way we'll be in a full show still. <laughs> till that I'm dead. But I'm booty. I don't have a funny voice. Ah, oh, Nico. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry again. We'll see you guys next time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah. What the fuck are comics? <laughs>